Hey guys, welcome back to XR at Work. I'm Scott. And I'm Dane. Today we're going to be talking about guided workflows using augmented reality tools. Uh, one caveat before we get started today is that the ideas and uh, opinions shared in this video are Scott and I's opinions, not representative of our companies as a whole. Uh, so if you guys disagree with anything that we say or, or agree, you know, feel free to comment below. Uh, we'd love to engage with you guys and, and build the community. Sure. So today, uh, Scott, do you want to kind of jump into yeah, uh, like talking about uh, what you guys do with guided workflows? Because I know you know you're doing it a lot. Yeah, it's a it's a big one. It's a big one for us, right? So um, I like to when I explain for our friends or, or or audience that maybe don't know exactly what guided workflows are, or maybe you call them something different, right? Some people call them digital work instructions. We call them guided workflows. Call them GWFs. Um, so there's a there's a couple of ways to break this out, uh, and Dan and I have talked about this quite a bit, right? There's spatial guided workflows and non-spatial, and what I call that, right, is not so non-spatial is, uh, for example, it's um, swipe through screens of text, videos, images, and you can do that on a on a, on a device, head-mounted or handheld device. Um, anywhere you don't have to be it's not reliant on your environment and it's also not going to take and put markers or hotspots or instructions spatially on top of objects in your environment so a, a non-spatial guided workflow is really it's swipe through screens right spatial goes to when you have a spatially enhanced uh, a capable device handheld or head mount device that has a camera it can see the environment and those guided workflows tend to walk you through a procedure. We'll show an example of that today on a video, but it, it kind of walks you through down it, through an environment to the different places where <laughs> you need to do things or reference mm -hmm. material. So non-spatial and spatial. Non-spatial, we do a good chunk of, of non-spatial guided workflows um, in our factories. Uh, everything from you know checklists, uh, maintenance procedures, uh, reference material, anything you need to have accessible. And you know, I like using like a, like a, a ruggedized tablet on a factory floor. Samsung makes a good one uh, with a pen. If you've got gloves on, you know, you can use a pen because a lot of times, you know, gloves don't work with this stuff. Um, right. So uh, on the factory floor, non-spatial guided workflows, you know, select it from a menu and get your eight slides, as it were, for how to go do this procedure. And you can go through, put the device down, make your changes, come back to it next. Let me go back. So you can embed text, multimedia, images, videos, that sort of thing. We do a good chunk of non-spatial guided workflows. Um, what about you guys? Are you using any non-spatial guided workflows? Yeah. So uh, the way that I kind of think about, you know, where to use, you know, spatial versus, you know, non-spatial uh -huh. guided workflows is generally non-spatial guided workflows are kind of more historical so again like it like you said procedures so if anybody has an e-procedure platform where like maybe your procedures used to be in microsoft word or like stored on a sharepoint via pdf or you know something like that um, and have migrated over to a, a kind of consolidated platform for procedures uh, that's a good example of you know a, a non-spatial you know, guided workflow where, you know, you're scrolling through, like you can take pictures, you know, to your point mm -hmm. on your tablet. The challenge that you have when you use kind of non-spatial guided workflows is generally you're not hands-free. Now that said, 
caveat. Uh, Except for what? Yeah. There, yeah, there are hands-free uh, procedure-based, you know, platforms. You know, uh, RealWare is a good example where it's not, you know, spatially anchored on, well, uh, in some applications, it's not sp spatially anchored on the environment. Uh, Mira is another good example where, you know, it's more kind of registered in your in your field of view than it is uh, kind of registered to a piece of equipment out in the field. Um, but, you know, generally it's, you know, you're, uh, you know, to your point, Scott, it's more about, I'm trying to learn about the process that we're getting ready to do. And then I see spatial coming in when you're, when you're trying to do the process, right? Like you're executing on a task, mm -hmm. uh, which would mean, you know, your arrow is over the top of, you know, this place where you need to be putting the bolt into, or, right. Uh, this is where your part comes in and, and, you know, sits or, you know, whatever that may look like. And so I kind of, I think for us, we try and, you know, distinguish a little bit between like, you know, kind of historical, you know, and learning and then kind of execution mm. you know, based you know, task as far as like what it enables and, and makes easy for us. Um, but, you know, as far as what we're working on right now, we, we do a lot of like the e-procedure stuff. So we're in the process, you know, like, uh, uh, using you know procedures on tablets out in the field you know that kind of thing and then we're we're starting to get into the kind of spatially anchored you know workflows where um you know for for people you know and you you mentioned gloves it's actually yeah. interesting you know in the the uh you know non-spatial ones you use a pen right in the spatial ones what's nice is that like you know your, your hands free right and so if your hands are dirty or whatever it's more about the motions that you're making or the what you're saying to the headset and that it is about you know what you're able to click on a you know on a screen or something like that so let me um, make sure i hear i'm hearing you right so you tend to go because you've got both just like we've got both mm -hmm. and i have devices and spatial non-spatial at the ready when i get mm -hmm. in and i find the use case i tend to go and i, I think it sounds like you do as well i tend to go non-spatial if I'm taking information they used to have to go to a three ring binder or to a laptop yep. to get, and I just want to take and put it in their hands out on the factory floor. Is that kind of the big reason why you would just transport it over to a, a handheld? Yeah, well, I think it's also sharing it, right? Like if you're using spatial guided workflows and you're trying yeah. to share, you know, to multiple different facilities, well, the configuration of the different facilities may yeah. or may not be the same, right? And so uh, guided workflows increase efficiency dramatically in, in the place that it's customized for, um, but it's not very uh, transportable, you know, to different groups. And, and that's, so that's, I think it's important, like maybe to call out, I don't think we're ever going to get away from uh, having a mix of both because right. again, it's, it's that kind of, transportability that's important you know with like the digital documents you know it's way easier to send a pdf to somebody than it mm -hmm. is to send a guided workflow for a hololens or something that's right. Just, um, that's right so you know that's that's i think uh, one thing to highlight too is like you know uh, ev everything's you know kind of this gray area right where you want to you want to really tailor the tool to the use case you know in in most cases sure um, so, so so you're doing non-spatial, just like we are, right? Getting some successes with it, um, handheld, head-mounted, um, you know, and we do a lot of spatial guided workflows, right? Which mm -hmm. tends to be, we, we can do tablet or we can do head-mounted devices. Um, what about, what, what about um, a spatial guided workflows? We want to we show an example of what that looks like so everyone yeah. knows kind of what we're talking about. So we, because I've got an example I can, I can show let me try and 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 do this. Um, so I'm gonna 
<laughs> share this. So can you see this video I'm about to play? Yep. All right. So this is a this is a sizzle reel, right? So one of our caveats here is that this is this is a marketing video. This is a sales video. This is one minute and 23 seconds long. This is uh, from a specific vendor for a specific device uh, mm -hmm. for specific use cases. But it does give you, if you've never seen it, um, you've got uh, get this nice lady. She's on her first day on the job. Um, and traditional um, training sessions do a lot of three ring binder stuff. But in their case, they're doing what uh, what Dane and I are doing, which is they have a manager that creates flows on a laptop, goes into the device and authors the actual spatial components to then be consumed by our friend here who's on her first day. So look at that. She's getting her device. Dane, how's she going to like yep. this? <laughs> here, can you pause it real quick, Scott? You got it. Yeah. So, so she's got it. She's rolling, man. Yeah, so a couple of things I think to call out here. One is uh, maybe actually, maybe this is a good question for you. Uh, who who are the people in your organization that are building the guided workflows? Because I think that's one thing that uh, this kind of glosses over is that there's there's a fair amount of work that goes into you know getting the correct you know procedural steps and uh, making sure that you're able to point at the right things and you have your models right and all that stuff. Um, so who's responsible in your organization? Yeah, that's a good question because in 42 seconds, they've already gotten to a point <laughs> where she's got this thing on and she's consuming. And we both know, and to your to your question, right? We know that they just glossed over about somewhere between four to six hours worth of work, right? <laughs> right. Modelers have to create the models. Um, you know, the author, the manager in our office had to go create these flows, um, that sort of thing. For us, um, we tend to have the flows mm -hmm. authored by um, a trainer or a supervisor in the factory. They know how to do the procedure. They probably have the time. They're, they're, not, they're not stuck to a machine having to keep the machine going right. They can step back. They can author this procedure and test it and do, try the headset. So we mm -hmm. tend to be trainers and supervisors, maintenance managers, production supervisors, that sort of thing. What about you guys? Yeah, we're, we're pretty similar. Um, I would say the trainers, you know, have a lot to do with, with it most of the time. Um, and, and, you know, it kind of leads us to the next point too. You know, she just picked up the headset, like jumped right in and started doing work. Yeah. And, you know, the, and obviously again, like this is a, a minute and 20 second or a minute and 30 second video that's marketing. But I think an important thing to call out is, you know, generally, when you introduce the HoloLens to somebody, you're going to get a, a kind of a mixed reaction depending on who it is that you're putting the headset on. So, you know, so like, you know, there's some people who pick it up super fast and it's intuitive for them. There's some people, you know, that you are having conversations about like, you know, no, you, you actually like use your finger and you put it through the, the button, you know, to make it work. Right. And, you know, so there's a, there's a spectrum of, of capability there. Um, and I think, you know, so I don't, I don't want to like undermine, you know, what it takes to get people started, you know, in the space. And obviously like we're talking about, you know, HoloLens in this particular perspective, but that's actually a selling point for, you know, other devices as well that you can just pick up and use. Right. And so again, it's kind of back to like, what is your use case? 
you need people to be able to pick it up and just immediately go? Or you know, is this something where it's kind of more in depth and it's uh, something that they're going to do on a consistent basis that you can you know, really fully train people to the more kind of uh, capable uh, HoloLens you know, type experience over time? Sure, sure. And this example is one, we'll, we'll, we'll let this play for a minute, right? This is one where this, this uh, workflow is all spatially pretty close, right? She's got her parts bin back there. It tells her, you know, go get the fuel line, follow mm -hmm. the dotted line to the fuel line bin, grab it, and then it's going to show her going and getting it. And then coming back over, it's going to show her where to plug the fuel line in, right? So this is all within five or six or 10 feet of each other. There's some questions you can ask, some interactivity in the, in the cards, but we have a lot of procedures that aren't this spatially confined, right? So she's here taking parts, watching the, the screens, showing her where to put them, building that muscle memory up. But a lot of what we do, and I'd be curious about your experience with this, Dane, and I'm also curious about our audience, what, what you're seeing, how you're using spatially aware, you know, guided workflows, a lot of our procedures, my point is, is that it's not taking things out of a bin, moving three foot, putting them on an engine. It's mm -hmm. flip this switch, walk a hundred feet, pull this <laughs> breaker, walk 200 more feet, go up some stairs into mm -hmm. a room and hit these two buttons, right? So you've got to really move someone through the factory. Are any of your use cases for spatial guided workflows like that, where you really move them through a, mm -hmm. through a plant? Yeah, well, I think this is a big difference between discrete part manufacturing and like process-based, you know, manufacturing, you know, so I, I would argue that, you know, we're both kind of process-based manufacturing, which means that you're kind of working, you know, the, the product is running and you're kind of working along the line right. you know, to go and get things fixed. Um, and like, you know, so what they're showing here is discrete part manufacturing. Okay. So the point, you know, Scott, like one of the challenges that you would have in this situation for like us as a process based, you know, type uh, experience would be like that QR code would only work for the, the location that you put, you know, the QR code that launched into the guides, you know, app. Um, Whereas like, you know, if you have like bays and it's all kind of standardized, right? Like every bay looks the same, you know, there's the same part bin and the same yeah. location and all that stuff. You could reuse that, but sure. for process space, you have to redo it every time because it's custom to the environment and the location that it's at. And so that's right. I think that's a challenge you know, that we run into as well is like, there's, uh, we don't have any like magical AI or anything that can, you know, interpret the environment and change the procedure so that it, you know, it's uh, like if that tool cart was three feet over, well, you know, it's not like there's some magical AI that interprets it and moves nope. that, you know, arrow three feet over. And so That's right. um, those are the challenges is that it's, it's very specific and custom to the environment, I guess, for us. That's right, because that brings up a good point. I was in a plant uh, in Tennessee a couple of months ago where I walked in expecting Right. What people people see like that video from Microsoft, and they go, we, we want that, you know, get Scott up here. We want that. Right. Tell him to bring his tell him to bring his, his VR headsets. Right. That's what they say. And so no. I get up there and it's like it's it's an environment where things are in different places every day, every shift. Right. So, again, those sorts of situations. And I ended up what I ended up doing was putting non-spatial flows in. Right. They just needed information. They didn't need to know 
where to go get it in the room. They work in this room constantly. They need to know the sequence to do it for this changeover procedure or something like that. So this becomes non-spatial really helps in those because spatial is not going to work if that tool cart moves and can move. And you can't always set everything back up the way it was when the, the <laughs> workflow was authored. Right, right, exactly. Well, and I think too, there's there's some interesting kind of auxiliary challenges even to like the core, uh, you know, guided workflow stuff, which is like, you know, are you going from an inside location to an outside location? Mm -hmm. If you're going outside, you know, like they have like the new sunglasses, right, that pop over the top of the hall lens and stuff. Right. But for one time, you know, if you wanted to do like the holographic, you know, uh, instructions outside, and it was a sunny day you know, it would struggle a little bit with sure. you know, being able to see it and, you know, you have to cover your vision or, you know, you buy the cling film wrap and, you know, put it over the front, yeah. so it's, you know, shaded. Um, and so I think uh, you, you have, again, it's kind of back to the content, you have the content and then you have the environment. And the nice thing about, you know, to your point, putting something on a tablet is that you can read the tablet outside too. Um, sure, sure. And then the issues there. Frankly, tablets are cheaper. Yep. We all know tablets. We're all, we've all, pretty much everyone's got a, a handheld device at home, if not in their pocket. They probably have a tablet in their pocket, but they've got a phone in their pocket. We're used to those interfaces and that way of interacting with electronics. You're mm -hmm. getting outside of that when you know. So there's some adoption curve, a training curve, um, on head-mounted devices, even the simplest ones. Yeah. Well, so I have a question too for you. So um, when you guys are wanting to write like a, a spatially you know, guided or spatial guided workflow. Yeah. Uh, how do you get a, like a written procedure into that format? Like, is, do you guys have like an API that it talks to and it pulls the data you know, out of the procedure and into the, the step-by-step -step, or are you guys rewriting that you know, every yeah. time? We're having to rewrite a lot of that stuff. I mean, there are, there are tools I could, you know, I, I know platforms that are supposed to do, you know, point it to a document and push a button and it'll pull it in and create the procedures. I, I think that's a lot of, my experience has been is that that's not, that's, that's not a, a thing that we've seen to be um, really kind of ready for prime time. I don't know about you, but we end up having to go recreate them. Now we, to your earlier point though, if I've got, if I've got three, let's just say three of the same machines mm -hmm. in three different factories, right? This, this printer or this cutter or whatever, the same manufacturer, the same model even is in three different factories. In theory, everyone thinks that we can take and create that guided workflow once and then mm -hmm. just go use it two other times. But here's what changes is configurations, right? So even though it's the same machine, there are components on that machine that can be modified. Uh, an HMI or, you know, a, a, a screen that's mounted to the side of the machine can be mounted to either side. Yeah. Uh, and maybe in plant two, it's on the opposite side. Plant three, it's uh, detached and it's, it's on uh, an upstream piece of the machine. So now all of a sudden things start changing. So even in the best case scenario, we find you got to go author it from scratch, try to reuse it. It's never going to match perfectly because of again like you talked about things are spatially off by a few inches or feet between mm -hmm. machines even if they're the same machine in theory and so <laughs> just know that there's always going to be that that work we're not quite there yet where we can just go zap the content and 
build it once and deploy it a hundred times. I, I, unless you're seeing that, if you are, do tell. <laughs> no, I was going to say like in a perfect world, I think a couple challenges that we face that would make my life you know, way easier would be figuring out some way that you could have the headset interpret and be able to help make suggestions, you know, for people mm. if they have to, you know, uh, kind of move from one location to another. Um, I think the other piece is integration with like a data lake or some kind of e-procedure platform, yeah. because like, here's the problem. If you have your, you know, uh, non-spatial procedure here, and then you have your spatial, you know, uh, you know, workflow or whatever we want to call it. The problem is if, if I'm taking what's in this uh, system already and then copying it over to the spatial version, uh, I have to maintain both systems over time, right? So if there's a process change or you know, anything like that, I mean, this is already part of the management of change process. So it'll get changed as part of the, the natural workflow. This one's not yet. Right. And so that means that we have to make sure that we're consistently looking through all these documents to make sure that it's reflecting the correct procedure. Um, and so if there was a way to have kind of like a single source of truth and then you know, the guided workflow was just kind of the UI that people use. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that would simplify the whole process because if you made a change in one, it would make the change in another and, you know, life would be good, right? Like we wouldn't have, right. To, right. have to do some of those edits. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's, there's definitely, you know, there's some pain points and, and we've been, you know, talking about all the pain points here, but let's talk about like, what's, what's good about using. Oh, yeah. Good stuff, right? So I'll, I'll throw out a couple of examples where people in factories I work in love this stuff, right? So number one is a changeover procedure, right? You can't remember, you haven't gone from making this product to that product on this machine in a long time. You don't remember all the settings. So you can go pull it up real quick and go, ah, yeah, that's it. So that knob's got to be at this, right? So it's accessible, handy, easy to consume settings and data, you know, and instructions right there. People love it, right? Because now they don't have to go try and find that dude that knows how to <laughs> make these settings that quit or got fired or, or retired and they don't, or he's on vacation or he's on the off shift, right? They've got it accessible. So they love that. And people love in our environments, they, they really like being able to have access to things that they do uh, seldomly. Is that a word, right? They don't do it very often, right? So there's this emergency procedure to shut off incoming water to the factory. And they only have to do that once every five years. But when it happens, no one ever remembers how to do it. It's, a, it, it's maybe it's a five-step process, but it's like, well, crap, where's the guy who did it five years ago, right? We, we've got a problem, right? So there's something happening and they can put it on or grab it and see it real quick in the environment. It's portable, boom, 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 good. All right, tragedy averted. So things that you just need a reminder on, things you need down on the floor where you're doing the work and things that you don't do a lot uh, 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 you have a high frequency of doing those things. Guided workflows work great. Mm -hmm. What about you guys? What when yeah. are people loving this stuff? 
Yeah, well, so I think like a good example is like uh, lockouts, you know, for yeah. instance, because you might yeah, have like huge. a lockout plan. Yeah, so I mean, you might have a lockout plan and you have, you know, 20 different places where you got to make sure that you're locked out. Well, the problem is like if I take a picture and I put that in a, a written procedure and show that to you, it just looks like a, a you know, a switch or a valve or whatever, yeah. right? Like it doesn't, that doesn't tell me anything about where it's at. And so, you know, the thing that we like about the spatial guided workflows in that instance is that, as you, you know, talked about earlier, you can walk somebody a hundred feet and with arrows on the floor that show them where they're supposed to be going mm -hmm. and then say, this is what you're locking out. Here's information associated with it. You know, like it's, it's super helpful in that context instead of like trying to read it. And, you know, sometimes our folks are looking at these, you know, MCC, uh, you know, walls. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you look at one, it might say the, you know, the number or whatever on there, but then you're relying on people to go and read the right number. And it was an M13 or M31, yeah. you know, like, you know, that whole situation. Yeah. Whereas like with guided workflows, you can just say, you know, this is what I'm talking about. Right. And yeah. point at it, and then they can go through it and do it. And so that's a, like a, an example of where guided workflows, you know, excel because mm -hmm. of the context that it provides. I think another good example is like, if you're doing like a tear down, you know, of a, yeah. of a piece of equipment or you're trying to train somebody on how to tear it down. Um, you know, you pointed out earlier, you might have gloves on or you might be greasy and, and gross. Um, and so like, you know, you don't want to be that guy that's like using their elbow to like scroll on their tablet because right. they can't you know, touch it. And so, you know, if you put on a headset, then it can actually contextualize, you know, and, and give you additional information, you know, as you're going through and doing that, you don't have to use your, your hands for that. Um, you know, hey, you know, what we also do is, is we'll go ahead and, and when I go into the device and I'm going to consume a guided workflow, I'll go ahead and like when I create a guided workflow, like a lockout tag, I'll go ahead and say, start recording. I'll record myself going through it and then start yep. with, then take that MP4. And now that's back to your earlier point, Dane, that's a portable video format. I can take it. I can go embed in PowerPoints. I can show someone on a tablet. I can show in a conference room in a training session. When someone calls me on remote assist and they're stuck, I can say, here, I'm going to push this video to you. That's going to show you how to do it. So you have, the ability to to build it once and kind of use it in different formats for different ways of training and learning, right? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting, or uh, you know, something we should call out too is like that that life cycle, or you know, the the kind of uh, cycle of mutual benefit that happens there is, you know, you create you create content in your guided, you know, uh, spatially guided workflow. You record it. You can take that and put it in your non-spatially, you know, you guided information as a reference for later and then you know it's just better instruction with contextualized overlays and all this stuff right. and so you know we kind of talk about like spatial or non-spatial where really i think it's you know how do they work together and what's right. the you know the relationship between them you know to focus on yeah i had this conversation this morning dane where it was you know so there's this big push people want us in xr Guys like you and I or people that are watching this podcast that are tasked with, with running extended reality for their industrial environments. And people are going to be in your ear about, hey, when are you going to standardize on a device, right? When's it, you know, there's so much stuff, right? And your answer is, Scott, your answer is always, well, it depends. When are you going right. to just get down to, here's the answer for everything? And I'm like, it's not, right? We got a long ways to go before 
a device and piece of software is the answer for everything, if ever, if we're ever going to get there. So do you yeah. see that too, where people want you to just, we just want to, don't you just have one headset that does it all? It's like, no, I yeah. don't. No, well, I mean, you know, I don't, to be honest, I don't think we'll ever get to that place right. just because, you know, like we have laptops, we have desktops, we have tablets, we have phones, we have, you know, headsets now, like there's yeah. so many different formats or, uh, you know, interfaces that we prefer yeah. depending on what we're doing. Right. And so, you know, that's kind of the thing that like, and, and actually that's, that's a tough part about being an XR practitioner, I think for us is, you know, creating kind of the the uh, decision tree on like, if you are doing this, you know, do you need spatial? Do you not need spatial? Yeah. Uh, if yes, then, you know what I mean? Like you, you almost have to create kind of this decision tree on, you know, um, here's a couple options and this is where you select one versus the other, right? Right. If not, you'll have, you know, the, the hammer guy trying to find a nail kind of thing with, with yeah. the wrong tool. Yeah, yeah. It's a real thing. It's, you know, it, it's so much more about to me consulting and working and having conversations with people and seeing the environment asking some basic questions than it is just mailing a headset over and saying well good luck right yeah i know everybody in, in the business wants us to be there we're just not right but i still love it it's a, yeah. it's a lot of fun <laughs> yeah well and i mean it, it you know it continues to get better over time like you know it's funny i know you've been in the space a long time too scott like if you think back five years ago, how painful everything was. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, we're, we're the complaints that we have nowadays don't even compare, you know, right. like before it was, uh, you know, like we were having issues with uh, people getting sick or you know, whatever. Yeah. And now it's more about like, hey, this is a, a mild frustration. And I think that'll continue you know, as we go and, and things will continue to improve. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things. That's the other, actually, that's, I think, a really good point to hit for folks who are wanting to get started in this space is that uh, I would never present what you're doing now as the final product mm. because the, the way that I always talk about it with folks is, um, you know, let's grow with the technology. So let's understand the, the landscape that we yeah. have currently and get value, you know, as, as it's easy or like, you know, the, like we don't have to do a ton of development over the top of it and all that stuff. And then as the hardware gets better and all these kind of other things get better, it enables better use or different use cases, and then we'll continue to grow with it. And so that's kind of the, you know, the marathon, not a sprint type right. of conversation we have to have a lot of times too is, um, you know, this is our capability today what if we could do that tomorrow and then we'll monitor the technology, you know, to see if we can get there. Right. A lot of good stuff today, Dane, on guided workflows. When to use a tablet, when to use a, a head mounted device, when you want to go non-spatial versus spatial. And I think we're both in agreement that the answer is it depends. Right. And <laughs> yep. so I but you need to have, you need to have all the tools in your toolbox. You need to carry that toolbox to each, each plant, each environment, because you never know what you're going to walk up against and what sort of objections or, or personal preferences you're going to see. So there's, there's a lot of stuff still happening. Some news comes out just about every day. It seems like that affects us as XR leaders in our, in our companies. Good stuff. Any, any final um, parting words of wisdom for anyone who maybe is just stepping into uh, guided workflows, maybe moving from remote expert to starting to get into digital work instructions? What advice would you have for our, our audience? Uh, the advice that I would have is to think about 
think about it as an ecosystem, not as a, a single tool. So, and what I mean by that is uh, like the data architecture needs to be, you know, right. You want to make sure you have all your Wi-Fi, you know, stuff taken care of if, if that's needed, you know, like the 3D models, you know, like there's a lot of things yeah. that go into guided workflows that need to be figured out before you actually can build a guided workflow. And so make sure that you, uh, you consider those things and have a plan for those before you just buy, you know, HoloLens or Realware or Mira or, you know, whatever device on the market. And don't go buy 20, 50, 100 of anything unless you're super sure that those devices are going to be around for a while and they're going to answer your, your, your questions. Yeah, they're going to solve your problems. Yep. I think we've talked about that in previous episodes. So <laughs> a lot of different rabbit holes we could go down. We're going to do some more episodes on different capabilities in factories, guided workflows, digital work instructions, whatever you want to call them. Absolutely bringing value, increasing uh, training speed, uh, knowledge retention, providing valuable information where the, the workers are at, out on the factory floor, out in the shipyards, out in the, uh, in the manufacturing facilities. And I think it's good stuff. We welcome your comments. We hope you guys will take some time and hit the like and subscribe because we need subscribes, right, Dane? <laughs> That's correct. And we, more importantly, we need to hear what you guys have to say. So put your comments in. Remember, these are our opinions. Like Dane said, we'd love to hear yours. And we will be back with a new episode of XR at Work real soon.